0: Hello, hello ladies. I hope everyone is warm because I actually remembered to tell Ty to turn up the heat today. <laughs> oh, well thank you for braving the conditions. We were kind of on the fence even just in the last half hour. we were like, uh ah. I think it's getting worse out there, and, like, everybody I talk to, like, Emily will drive to Walden in the snowstorm, Shelby's from Alaska, Elaine's from Minnesota, so I was, like, I'm surrounded by, like, winter people that have no fear of this stuff, so I was, like, I guess we're just going to go with it, and um, it's already turned into, like, a really amazing night already, so I'm so glad we're here, um, but if I haven't met you before, I'm Candace, and I I always say, this is my circus, and these are my monkeys, No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're so glad you're here, and uh, we have a really special night tonight. We've got some really good questions come, that came in, and then um, Emily and maybe Erin, if she want to help, if we're going to pass out pieces of paper and pen. Go ahead. We can get started if you want to hand those out now. Sorry, I didn't give you that information before, but we're going to out, hand out some pens and paper. So if something, after we start these first questions, if something pops up and you're like, ah... Uh, like, I want to slip this over to Emily and have them answer this question. That's great. Or we also have the mic if you're like, hey, I'll ans- I'll ask it straight out. Like, we can do that, too. Um, <laughs> so if you want a piece of paper and a pen, grab one. And then if anything pops up, we will um, try to hit that, too. But we're going to be really, like kind of um, protective with time tonight just because of the roads and everything. So we'll try to keep it around an hour if we can. And I'm going to keep it really chill and casual tonight too. We're just going to go ahead and bring pastors up. (laughs) Yay. So we're just going to sit on down and go from there. I was like, I don't know wherever you guys want to sit. If you want to sit together or... (laughs) I will sit wherever. You guys just pop a squat, right? I <laughs> know. Uh, no more squats. No more squats. So should we, st- I-, I guess we didn't start off with like, like the actual order we were going to go. Should I just start at number one or should we go more casual? Because <laughs> I think number one goes pretty deep, right? Which- oh, was- oh, no. Batteries are dead. Shelves on his. I was <laughs> like, I could hand him. I know. <laughs> no. no and he's gone. <sighs> what sounds good to start with, Lynette? I'm sorry. I should. That's all I, right. I Anything. This. Oh, this number one's actually a pretty, like, fun little question.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's go for it.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, while he's doing that, I'll ask the first <laughs> question, and then Lynette will be on the spot okay. with it. <laughs> um, so question number one how often when your kids were little and required baby, babysitters, did you cut out alone time? Did you do date nights? Check, check, check. <laughs> no, we didn't even, we were like, eh, let's go with it. Check, check, mom, can you all hear me?
1: Can I, can you hear me? Are you on the mic? No. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't, know. I don't, I don't think know you are.
0: Themselves. Okay. Here.
1: but yeah, I, I don't know
2: if I don't see that. I sound like I'm talking <laughs> into a fan.
1: Yeah, I'll be right. uh, is it? Check, check, is check, check, it on? Check, check, check. Yes. It's saying low battery. Still.
2: So. Must be that anointed.
1: Oh my gosh, babe.
0: Here, you want to get? I'll write it up to her. All
1: right. You talk. Okay. okay. Um, that's funny. Cause we asked the kids, I asked the kids what they remembered and they said, yeah, we remember you guys going on dates. We did, uh, we did do date nights. We didn't do them. Like we didn't have a regularly scheduled date night. And I know I felt a lot of pressure to do that. And I felt like, well, if I want to have a good marriage, we should have date nights. And I remember feeling like not good because we didn't have organized date nights. Um, But we did, we would do things. uh, I can say this. This was one thing that was a thing in our house was the kids had a bedtime. And when we put the kids to bed, that was our time. And uh, we raised our kids that when you go to bed, you don't keep getting up. Mm -hmm. Um, so when they went to bed and we put them to bed, they knew they were supposed to stay in bed. And if they got up, something better be bleeding. And so, (laughs) but we would connect every night. We always had that connection every night. You said something that I thought was really good with the Date nights.
0: Date nights. That's the subject we're on. And I didn't even say like, hi guys, how you doing?
1: Like, how's it going? Or anything. I was just like, (laughs) question number (laughs) one. Question number one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here, do you want to use Um, my headset? No,
2: no, that's all right. Okay. I'll be be all right. Okay. It's only an hour. Um, I don't
1: know. What did I say? You said that it wasn't as much about date nights as it was connecting every day.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, we didn't do the the whole date night thing very often, uh, just because we were gone, doing church and doing church things. So we just made sure that we were together a lot. And we
1: didn't have money, you know. To do. We, <laughs> didn't, we, we didn't we <laughs> didn't have a whole lot of
2: money. Um, we would go for a drive, you know. We'd we'd go for a drive or whatever. We we considered date date nights or whatever. Um, we considered those continual. so. Yeah. I don't think we ever purposed a date night.
1: Yeah, I mean we would go out and do you know do dinner or whatever, but honestly, I think what you had said at home because we were talking about the questions, is just that we made a point to connect daily, yeah. and it may have not necessarily been a a formal date night, but we connected every morning, and when we put the kids to bed at night, that was our time, so yeah.
0: I guess I need this. Um, so number two, you both know the Bible so well. When you pick up your Bible in the morning, do you have a plan for what you are going to read, or what topic you want to read about?
2: I um, <clears throat> the, the things that I read are usually just uh, uh, I pick out a book, you know, in the Bible. Uh, like right now, I'm reading Mark. I'll read about a chapter a day if I feel like I'm really on to something, I'll move right into the next chapter. But, um, a lot of, a lot of markings, a lot of, a lot of marks in my Bible, a lot of, uh, underlining. I don't highlight too much, but I have a red and a black pen and I kind of just go through and those things that stand out to me.
0: Does red or black mean something?
2: Red's really important.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I figured
2: if Jesus spoke in red, it's really important. So I was...
0: spoken red. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just I just go through. Um, depends on what season I'm in. I'm in like a gospels season right now, uh, whereas sometimes I'll be in that uh, I wanna I wanna get into the the um, stories of David and and stuff like that. You know, Chronicles and Kings and things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So. I think for everybody, everybody reads the Bible differently or studies the Bible different, and there is no wrong way to do it. Um, I think that's the most important thing that I got from that was basically in Hebrews, it says if you uh, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if you want to read about certain things, a certain topic, then it's uh, you can Google online. You know, Google is great, honestly, for things like that. So what are some scriptures about peace? And if you are a person who enjoys like topical things like that, Google scriptures for peace, and it'll give you a whole list of scriptures about peace. Or um, I am more of a person that I enjoy reading, like Darren. I enjoy like sitting down and reading um, a particular book in in the Bible. I love... Um, the first and Second Samuel, first and Second Kings, first and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, because it's so full of amazing stories, like literally if they made a movie about the Bible, like it would be rated R. Like maybe even X. Because so in, in C-17. Yeah. I, mean, there's, I mean, there's so much drama. There's so much happening. Those are the books where you find um, King David and the prophets and uh, the wars and the battles that took place. I mean, it is. It's like a movie reading those. So I absolutely love them. Uh, there's uh, times I spend some time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, then I always love... Ephesians is probably one of my favorites. I go to Ephesians over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think everybody will find their own personal favorites. It just really depends on your passion. and what. But bottom line is you can't do it wrong. No. There is no wrong way to get with God.
0: <laughs> my personal question with that, like I've heard before, like don't read Romans chapter by chapter each day. Like read it. Throughout, has there has that ever like been like you're like I, I have to read this like, the yeah. whole thing right now. I don't know.
2: Like, I mean, uh, you know, especially the New Testament is a yeah. book of letters. It's they're they're not chapter and verse like they've been broken up into, that man has done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a letter. It's just it's one start to finish thought, uh, that Paul had. So it's it's pretty easy to get enraptured in that and and really, um, just go. Go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you got that kind of time, yeah. go
1: for it. Yeah. okay, babe, I'm going to swap you. <laughs> I know that's easier. <laughs> you know, but you the- oh, he's just going to plug his in.
2: Sorry, Shelby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, aren't you clever? I know. Oh, okay. Well, he's going <laughs> to just plug his into his his box. <laughs> yeah. Smarty pants. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: question number three how to handle your season of singleness
1: see I love that question I will then I'll jump in and then you jump in with what you had said for me when I was single I have such a heart for my single sisters because that was a season that I learned so much but I remember some really really Strong emotion during that season. The desire to want to be with someone. The desire to want to have a friend to share things with. Um, um, the loneliness, intense loneliness, and um, also the question of what is wrong with me? <laughs> Why haven't I found somebody yet? Why, you know, is there something wrong with me that I don't have? Because I had friends that had relationship after relationship after relationship, and I was not that way. And so um, the last person that I dated, he had a much stronger vision for our future than I did. And he was not actively seeking God, but he never... He he was so proud of me for what I was doing. I was working for a ministry at the time, and I was working with kids. And he was so proud of me for what I was doing, and he always encouraged me. And so he was such a wonderful support, but he just wasn't going in the same direction that I was. And when I broke up with him, I really hurt his heart. And I purposed that I wasn't ever going to do that to somebody again. And so I committed I wasn't the next person I dated was going to be the person I married. I wasn't going to date somebody if I wasn't going to potentially marry them. (laughs) So um, during that time, though, I found a lot of value in journaling, but it wasn't a journal for myself. It was a journal that I was writing to whoever my future husband was going to be. And I wrote qualities in there. Like, I remember going places and doing things and writing to him about, oh, I did this today. And I wish that I could share this with you. And I would pray for him. And I would write that in my journal, Um, whatever was happening. Or, you know, if there was something happening in the world, that I would pray protection over him. And I would pray that God, like if God was speaking something to me, I would pray that God would be, leading him in whatever direction that was. And then um, when Darren and I met, I gave that journal to him the night before our wedding. So that was, for me, that journal helped me to process through the intense loneliness and the feelings of not having someone. And I really, really learned to depend on God through that, because everything that I was writing in the journal, God showed me I'm here to experience those things with you now mm-hmm. and learn to be open with God, learn to share my feelings with God through that. And then when we got married, it helped me then to be able to to share that with Darren. Mm-hmm. Darren had a very different experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a train wreck um, in, in my singleness because you know i was single when i got saved uh, and and so my before christ life was a, a series of going from one relationship to another and so not much in that area changed once i got saved the the value just became different but the but the um, repetitiveness did not or maybe even the addiction i don't know if it's an addiction or what <laughs> But the fact of the matter is I I went from one relationship to the next even in my Christianity Mm -hmm. um, singleness. But there was something that happened at the conference when I met her. Um, There was something that happened in that time. And and what it was, and this probably threw up a big question, is soul ties. Mm -hmm. I learned about soul ties at that conference. Matter of fact, I was dating a girl back home (laughs) when I met her. And when I got home I broke up with her. I mean, she was my ride from the airport, so I, was I waited till you say you have I to tell that. I, 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 I waited till I got to the house before I said anything. <laughs> I'm using my kidneys. Um, but uh <clears throat> anyways, that, that was um the the last one, you know, moving into my relationship with her. And um yeah, it was my singleness wasn't don't take anything from me and my singleness
1: but some of the the girls that you dated make me look really really good
2: that was the the issue was the <laughs> those things i the crazy crazy ladies and so
0: did anyway. you say like I mean you weren't looking at these girls to get married to any of them. it was just for fun uh, like no. until you met her Was that ever well a... maybe
2: before Christ it was yeah. that way but but really I mean that was my hope I mean I was twenty Four when I got saved I and we didn't meet until I was 27 mm-hmm. and so you know that time period I, you know I'm I'm getting up there in age I need to get married you know mm-hmm. that's what what they tell me so <laughs> anyways but doing what I did with the soul ties mm-hmm. uh, was the big yeah. uh, the big shift over into what was right, and God just melded that together mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. during that conference, and mm-hmm. and coming home and, and beginning to to date her over the phone. So mm-hmm. so she lived in Colorado Springs, and I was in Tulsa, and so the the phone bills were high. as <laughs> was <laughs> cell phones yeah, was, and good yeah, plans, you phones. know. Yeah. I was AT and T,
0: three dollars a minute type stuff. You know? um, had yeah. to like be quick and short. Uh-huh. I mean, you probably just.
2: I had quite a bill to pay my dad whenever I got married. So.
0: Did you know that she kept that journal like before she gave it to you?
2: Uh, she had told me about it after we had, um, you know, decided to get married and, mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, when she gave it to me the night before our wedding, it was pretty,
1: yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do believe that God doesn't waste anything. And so God's intention during your time of singleness, if you do intend, if you do have a heart to want to be married, that in your time of not having a physical spouse, that God doesn't want to waste that time, that God definitely has a purpose and an intention for that time, and God has an appointed intersecting time, and so every every moment up to that intersecting point god is building something and preparing something in you in your relationship with him but also building in you what you need to be a good helpmate to whoever god is preparing to intersect you with so he doesn't waste anything <laughs>
0: All right, so question number four. How do you get through fights, arguments, disagreements without getting overly mad, angry, hurtful at one another? Fight fair, so to speak.
2: Man, <clears throat> that was an issue in my singleness. That's why the, we went from relationship to relationship because they were crazy and made me mad. <laughs> so it was it was one of those things that I had to to revalue once I knew that she was my forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. We we I really can't think of fights that we've had. We've had disagreements.
1: We've had disagreements. And we came from different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, I came from a home... That on the outside, it looked like Ward and June Cleaver. Like, I never saw my mom and dad fight. I never heard my mom and dad raise their voice at one another.
2: And I watched my mom and dad duke it out. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and that was one thing that my dad always told me was, don't ever fight your mama because she will win. <laughs> she was pretty mean. So. Um, but, yeah, we, we really, I mean, we, we don't fight.
1: Well, both, neither one of us are real um, hot-tempered people. Mm -hmm. So we don't really, like, we don't have, and I don't, I'm not trying to uncover you or tell anything, but I will, like, Darren does have, from family, we've broken off. He broke off rage and anger because he used to be told all the time, you've got the Glegger temper, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he would throw things or break things. But he didn't do that.
2: Usually my own stuff. (laughs) His
1: own stuff. But um, I think early on we just were intentional about not saying something in the heat of the moment to try and hurt one another. Mm -hmm. That, and I honestly, we were trying to think about it today. Like I don't know where we learned that from, but Mm -hmm. neither one of us are real hot-headed So we didn't, we just never have, when we do, because we do get our wires crossed or we will disagree on something, but our intent in fighting is, or the disagreement isn't to be right, Mm -hmm. it's that I'm not understanding how he is seeing something or why he's thinking something a certain way, and I'm wanting to understand why is he seeing it that way, because I'm missing that. And so... I value him. I think he's very smart. And so if he's seeing something that I'm not, I want to know what he is seeing because I'm not seeing that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes I might not still see it that way. But, like, okay, now I understand why you feel the way you do. what
0: I was going to say, like, I know there's times where me and Cody – we just are going to disagree. Like, yeah. we ain't going to come together on this one thing.
2: Well, we all have cattle, that's
0: one Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it's okay. It's okay. And I think yes. that's what we, I like, I feel like our generation especially was raised to believe. Like, you have to be happy, though. Right. Like, if you're not happy, the world is not happy. And sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what, my neighbor, I don't agree with that person, but I should not Disrespect them, or should not call them names, and yeah. So sorry, I was just going to throw that in because no, I I'm, was thinking a lot about. I think
1: that. for me, and this is we have. He is the one that started it. Like he would not let us go to bed cross with one another. Yeah. Not ever go to. Don't ever let the sun go down on your wrath. Mm-hmm. And it used to really. I'm just going to say it would piss me off because I'm like I'm I'm mad and I want to sulk in it and I want to swell up right now and I want to I want to be a toad about it. <laughs> and he would not let
3: me. I just sat there and looked at her.
1: <laughs> like super annoyed at that, but he would never let us go to bed upset with one another. Yeah. And I think I was, as a matter of fact, you know, our son is going to be getting married. And that was something I just had a conversation with him about is from this moment on in your life, you're never on your side of the net alone. You always have a partner on your side of the net. And if you disagree or if something is going on, to remember you're on the same team. You're not – that person is not an opponent. You're there together, and it's not about one being right or one being wrong. It's both of you are on the same team, and you're both fighting for the same thing. So you should be fighting together and not to be right or one to be – better than the other or anything like that, so, but I think, I think mostly is like, and, and it is something if you have kind of started that trend in your relationship of saying things that are hurtful and not bringing up the past mm-hmm. is to come into a place, sit down together when you're not fighting and say, okay, from here on out, we're not going to say things that would just, I'm just going to say it just because it stings, mm-hmm. and make that pact together, yeah. so. Yeah. (laughs)
0: That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, Okay. With the world as it is today, everything seems to be falling apart at the seams. How do you feel this time in history is different from other rocky roads in all aspects? And do you think it really points to the end times or is every day point to the end of this world as we know it? and still live with hope and plan for the future. Uh, because part of me is like, well, if this is the time, why does daily life still matter, etc. Is there proof? Sorry, this is a long question, but I'll just keep going. Is there proof that this is the actual end times? Discuss your findings using the Bible as a reference. You've got instructions. Some, <laughs> some are fear-mongering. Some are becoming more lax in things they should be doing. Lastly, is it... Normal to have some apprehension about the Lord's coming, even though you gave your life to Christ. How do you overcome that fear and find confidence in your place in heaven?
2: Wow. Yeah. That is a six-week series right there. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: That's a deep, deep this deep person's thinker. wrote some college essays. That's like They've got think the first yeah. and lastly,
0: and you better have references. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll just reference the whole Bible with that. You know. um, That's good, yeah. But um, it is a... Um, You know, we've been in the end times for a long time. I think that if you would have went back and asked the Apostle Paul if they were in the end times, he would have said, yeah, from the the, um, society he lived in. Is it it not going?
1: Yeah,
2: you're good, baby. Um, So, you know, I think we're one day closer to the end times than yesterday, Mm -hmm. so we're we're moving towards that. I think that... um, you know, and I just read this in, in Mark, at the end of Mark, uh, I think, I can't even remember what chapter I'm in now, but Jesus is talking about the end times, his disciples asked him about the end times, and, and he said, what you're seeing is the beginnings of birth pains, mm-hmm. birth pains of this earth beginning to, and, and if you have had kids, you know what birth pains are, you know, it's, they, they start and they build and build and build, so we're, we're in that time of building, I don't know where we're at in the end times. I think Jesus could come back any time, mm-hmm. but there's still some markers in the word that we've got to be looking for. And Jesus laid it out there in two ways. He told his disciples, you can either look at society, look at the world and see the state that it's in and judge, or you can look at the church or the Christian area and see what state it's in, mm-hmm. you know, the spiritual side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think he leaned more to the spiritual side of things. Um, you know, when, when the harvest begins to happen and I don't know, I mean, just in the last three weeks here at church, we've had over a dozen people give their life to Jesus and, um, and it, and really making that, we don't, we don't, we weren't having that every week, but now we are. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting to see the harvest beginning to break loose. If this is just the beginnings of things, Then yeah, I mean we're getting closer to the end of times. I'm not a good end times teacher, um, just because there's so much stuff out there and it changes every day. It changes um, with every person. I I follow a guy for several years now that a minister that said that he's got 11,000 volumes of theology in his library, and I'm talking books, 11,000 volumes. He said, I've got a 1,000 on eschatology, which is the end times. And, and he says, 1,000 um, of those in just one stream. He's got uh, seven schools of thought just in one stream. The, you know, you've got your, your post-trib, mid-trib, um, pre-tribulation rapture and things like that. And he says, just in the pre-tribulation rapture, I've got seven schools of thought. So everybody's got stuff different, so for me to sit down and try to peg one I would be, I would be way off yeah. you know back when I became a Christian in ninety two a guy named Hilton Sutton was the big end times teacher in in the Word of faith movement that I was in um, now you can go back and look at his stuff and it 's all outdated and, and it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Missed miss some stuff, you know. It looked good in the '90s, but it yeah. doesn't look real good now. You know? So, anyways, what's your take?
1: I I lean to um, in in my first learning in Christianity and things. There was a big a big thing made about the rapture and the rapture. The word rapture, if you look for it in the scripture, the word rapture is not going to be in the Bible. That is a term that the church has come up with to Describe when Jesus comes back and the as the scripture puts it is the catching away of the church um, and the church is those who are the followers of Jesus Christ and so the church has put the term rapture on that, and the big thing was you know well it doesn't matter because i 'm going to be out of here on the first boat talking about when the rapture happens and kind of I was in that for a time and the pre Pre-trib means that you believe that you're going to be raptured out of here before the tribulation takes place. Mid-trib means that you believe that you will be here for part of the tribulation. That means the trouble and the um, the Bible goes into detail about the things that will happen during the tribulation. And then post-trib means that you believe that you will be here through the tribulation and after the tribulation is complete, that Jesus will come back and then take his church away. So now I look at that, and I think it's very easy to make an idol out of the rapture to where you're not focusing on what Jesus is asking you to do day to day, that your focus is just on getting sucked out of here by a big holy hoover, and that's what you got your whole mindset set on. Um, Some people, like back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, the Jesus movement was, we don't, need savings accounts. We don't need college. We don't need anything because Jesus is coming back and we're all going to be out of here anyway. So we don't need to do anything. And that didn't work out so well. (laughs) So I look at the way that Jesus handled his walk while he was here on earth. He did everything that he could to demonstrate the kingdom of God to people every day. And he did that up until the time that he was taken up into heaven. And if we're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, my, the, my simple mind says that we should walk like Jesus did and do everything that we can to demonstrate the kingdom to the people around us every day. And then it doesn't really matter if it's post-trib, mid-trib, or pre-trib and what your eschatology is. You're here doing what Jesus put you here to do every day. Yeah. And the plain and simple is there is no formula for it because God loves for us to press into him and if you love studying eschatology, study it. My encouragement would be to not study it for head knowledge, but to study it from a place of wanting to know who God is more. And if you press into eschatology, study it from the place of wanting to know the Father's heart, not to try and outbrain everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, those, those things are mysteries, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and God... So loves his kids to try to dig and find out his his jewels you yeah. know, that are under under the surface and and so um, that's that's one area that I just don't really really press into too much because I, I want to do what God's purpose for me to do here and not worry about all of that. Um, so you know, whoever wrote that question, I'm sorry that I didn't answer with scripture and all the what-fors and hows and whys.
0: <laughs> well, so. and I, I, something on that too is uh, you could go back into the whole si- history of the world if you want to look, even just in the last couple hundred years, is right now where we're at, has. this is not the worst the world has been in. Like, Great I mean, fun. if you want to look at I think first century Christians and yes. what they were going through, like, this is actually a walk in the park compared to what they were going through. We're so.
1: looking at, you know, we look at things and we think that things are really bad. Yeah. It's all relative yeah. because yeah. we're not living in a culture that sacrifices its babies. Yeah. We are not living in a culture where... Um, Sacrificing
2: yeah. the babies. to I, I, I like, outside the womb. No. Uh, yes, yeah.
1: yes. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things just in the Bible that were happening. If you just read in the Bible, things that were happening in culture, in Scripture, that we're not seeing. Yeah. And so, yeah, to us it's bad. But if you asked Lot, lot, it maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> here's,
2: here's the deal about eschatology. If you're interested in, in pushing into that and things like that. Jesus, when he spoke of these things or when those prophets spoke of these things, when Daniel spoke of these things, they were looking at it from a Middle Eastern mindset. They were not looking at it as America. And we here in America have this tendency to put blinders on just to what we're going through. Mm-hmm. This is... America is spoken about very little, if if at all, in the Bible. Um, I think there's some things you could interpret as, as this Western culture. But everything is Eastern culture. So if you're going to look at eschatology, look at it in the basis of Jerusalem. Put your, put your mind on Jerusalem. Put your mind on Israel, and you'll, and you'll begin to understand a little bit more.
0: Yeah. That's so. good. No, I agree. That's really good. Okay. I've got this in a text message.
1: (laughs) As you're looking at that one, I will, I'll just say this while you're looking at that question. Darren has said over and over again that when you're wanting to look at prophecies and things happening and what's happening to look at Israel, Mm -hmm. not focus here in America, but look at what's happening in Israel and look at what's happening in Jerusalem and that's it. Looking at the world news, looking at what's happening there that's going to help you put a better frame and a better reference on where we're at in scripture and how to interpret things yeah.
0: okay uh, I believe this is the seventh or eighth question, but my husband's grandfather passed away a couple years ago and and has since lost. A lot of faith. So I'm thinking her husband's lost a lot of faith. His grandpa considered himself an atheist. And my husband has been having such a hard time believing. And with, the, with his faith gone since his passing, he recently got out of the Marines as well as... Sorry, I went the wrong way on this one. As well as has been in such a dark place. I'm so sad by how lost I see him lately. I pray for him every day. I try reading these verses to tell him, but... He's so lost. What can I do to help him better his relationship with God and give him peace about his grandpa?
2: And I think <clears throat> that we all get into that spot, that wilderness spot where we, things happen in our lives and we can say, you know, get into that why God space. And um, when we do that, we, we have to rely upon those that we connect ourselves with, whether it be the community of church, um, a community of, of friends, uh, whatever that case may be to help us and and, and begin to um, Talk about those things with other people, you yeah. know um, yeah. So that would be my encouragement to her is to help him get into a community of, of people sometimes your spouse is not the best one to talk to mm-hmm. in that frame of mind because it's it's easy to go back to the other question of why you're fighting <laughs> but um, But anyways, I I just think that we all get into that headspace sometimes of of seeming to lose our faith, you know. Mm -hmm. I can say for me, um, being given the diagnosis that was given to me, I went through that wilderness. And and I think I'm sometimes still a little bit in that wilderness Mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, God, this faith that I've been preaching for years, where is this in my life, you know, so... In that same spot, but you had a really good thought on that this morning.
1: I think first for the grand, for thinking about the grandpa, I think anytime somebody dies, it's such a mystery for us because we've never been there. None of us are, have been through it and are here to tell the story about it. Um, So when someone dies from our perspective, we can get really legalistic. And here's what I know about God is he was willing to send Jesus to make a way for us. So that says to me that God is fighting a lot harder to get us in than he is to keep us out. And so I feel strongly that if at anywhere in someone's life, whether when they were a child or even in the last few moments of their breath, that they cried out to God in any way, I feel like God's fighting hard for them. And the blood of Jesus does so much more than what we what we know, and so in those in those moments or in those situations, it is a mystery, but we just have to know that God is so good. He's so much bigger than what we can even begin to wrap our mind around, so to take some peace in that for her with her husband, for her to know that she cannot be Jesus to him. And it's not her responsibility to be Jesus, to drag him to church or to get him saved or anything, or to be his salvation or
2: keep him saved.
1: Or keep him saved. But the Bible does say that the believing wife sanctifies the home. And so for her to continue loving on God and letting God love this man through her, that she can't be Jesus for him, but she can show Jesus to him every day. Mm-hmm. And so just love him and love him and pray and ask God how to to show his love to this man, to her husband. And God will show her little things to do that maybe she won't even know why God is asking her to do that. But to this husband, it really may mean something. Um. And to not push him, let him don't, don't try and make him come to church or don't push him to read the Bible or don't push scripture down his throat, but demonstrate it, Mm -hmm. really be intentional about demonstrating it and invite him, let him know that she wants him to be a part of her faith walk and let him know how much she enjoys her faith walk and how important it is to her, but not pushing him into that, but always leaving the door open and always making him feel welcome into that, mm-hmm. but not pushing.
2: I'd say most of the time when somebody professes they're an atheist, it's because they've had the uh, the opportunity of the gospel mm-hmm. given to them is why they make the decision that they are an atheist. And so in that, they've most of the time they've heard that you've got to make Jesus Christ or call out to Jesus, call out to God, whatever mm-hmm. And in their dying breath, that's why it's so important that no matter where anybody's at in their walk, whether they're an atheist, whether they just detest God, detest Jesus, we have no right to judge their eternity. Only God gets that right yeah. to judge their okay. eternity. Yeah. And so in their dying breath, if they called out to, to him, he's going he's gonna to receive them. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not going to say, but you did this. Yeah.
1: Right. It ain't right. going to be
2: about that. It's yeah. about Jesus.
0: When is the best timing to share a deep testimony of past faults with people?:
1: Man, I looked because that is I wanted whoever this is, I wanted them to have this scripture. Um, in Revelations 12:11, it says, "And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony." And our testimonies are so powerful. I think depending on on what the past testimony is, there are some people who are not going to be able to handle your story, and they're going to judge you for it. But that is not on you. That's on them. So I think know your audience um, and be, be... your testimony can be leveraged so powerfully. And I think a wonderful time to share your testimony with someone is when that person that is going through such a difficult time that you can share your testimony with them because your testimony is the seed that will plant hope in their heart. That if God did it for you, he will do it for them because he's not a respecter of persons. And if God brought, you out of a really dark place or out of a really difficult situation or something that was really broken or maybe you made a choice that looking back, if you could change one thing, that would be the one thing that you would change and God still redeemed that for you. That if you are with someone or you're walking with someone that is in that same place of brokenness or that same place of choice, that you can share your testimony with them and that could be the lifeline for them to say, well then there is hope for me mm-hmm. if if God did that. And I can tell you we have people in this church that are so powerful and so anointed in ministry that if you knew their story, you would really be blown away. And God just God just does beautiful things through people's brokenness. So but I do think, you know, I don't think it's Always. And we are probably really protective of those people because their stories are so beautiful. Um, So I do think know your audience as in is that can that person handle it? Because if they're going to judge you and they're not ready for that, then probably just hold it for a little bit longer. (laughs) But I do think, though, if God prompts you to share it, if you're feeling that prompting. Then, how it 's heard from somebody else that 's not your weight to carry that 's between them and God. You tell your testimony, and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you tell what Jesus did in your life, you 're speaking he 'll do it again and again and again yeah.
2: i 'd say timing is everything you know um, Just jumping out there with your testimony if you 've been through a big a um, uh, big upset upsetting um, type of thing, just to throw it out there, sometimes invites uh, criticism, invites judgment, and, and and depending on whether that person can handle that or not is the, is the big deal, but um, I think timing has got to be everything, and be God putting you in front of the right people at the right time.
0: How do you juggle serving the church and being a mom when God has called you to do both? Pastor Darren, I just...
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I loved bringing my kids to church. I will say that my kids... I used to say, people would say, well, your kids are just amazing. How do you have such great kids? And I would say because God knew that if he gave me kids that were not good, that I would tape them to the wall and I would beat the wham out of them. So... <laughs> God seriously got on to me about that, and he said, if you say that to people, you are implying that I give some people bad kids, and there's no such thing as a bad kid, so I quit saying that, <laughs> but I will say that my kids are the people that they are today because of the people that they were in community with for their whole life, like, yeah, I love my kids, they're not perfect by any means, and we've walked through stuff with our kids, we're sti- we still do, Um, but they are the way that they are because of the people that they are around Mm -hmm. all the time. And so being a mom and serving at the church, I loved having my kids serve with me. Mm -hmm. Both of my kids served in kids' church for years, and um, Rhett was super nervous to come onto the worship team because he didn't want people to think that he was on the worship team just because he was our kid. And... Mm -hmm. We told him, then you've got to earn your spot. Mm -hmm. And we had a talk with Kirstie, and Kirstie made him earn his place. But I wanted my kids to see me serving because what I do is going to – they're not going to do what you tell them to do. They're going to do what you're doing. So for my kids to see me serving with joy, it was something that we didn't have to go to church. We got to go to church. Uh, We didn't have to go serve at the soup kitchen. We got to go serve at the soup kitchen. We didn't have to take things to people. We get to bless somebody. So it was always a, a privilege to get to do it. And my kids loved coming to church because of the people that were there. So I made my kids a part of what, we were doing. If I was doing something, they were helping me do it. And they were always my helpers. And I blessed them for doing that. God blesses us for serving. And so I blessed my kids for being servants. Um, I can say, though, that when I gave myself permission to be a mom first, that I found I've had more joy in everything else I was doing because I had a huge mom fail. I was at the barn. <laughs> this lady was talking to that, me.
2: Knows what the barn oh, is. I'm sorry.
1: When we were still at the, in a big, it was a huge indoor arena and that's where we were having church before we, bought this before we moved into this building. And, um, my kids knew, have you know, kids that come up, mom, 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 while you're talking, that drives me nuts. So my kids, I taught them, when you need to talk to me, you come and you put your hand on my leg when I'm talking to someone else. And then I would put my hand on their hand to acknowledge, I know that you're here, and I know that you need me. So when I'm done, when this person is done talking, then, then you can talk. So Rhett was standing with his hand on my leg, and this was not on the woman that was talking. This was all on me standing with his hand on my leg, and he started doing like this to me, and I said, just a minute, just a minute. And little buddy stood there, and <laughs> he peed his pants. He had to go to the bathroom, and I didn't tell this person, I need to take care of my son, so can you please give me a moment? That was my, that was my bad. And so Brett peed his cowboy pants, and he was so upset about peeing his cowboy pants and for those of you that know CW, um, this was before he was married. CW took him down to the little clubhouse room and wrapped his coat around him. And he told him, he goes, you know what, buddy, sometimes I do that too. And Rhett goes, Rhett goes, you pee your pants? And he says, Yup, in my cowboy pants. And I hate it when I do that. <laughs> But that's the kind of people that my kids got to be around. so because C.W. Pete in his cowboy pants, Rhett fell okay about Pete's <laughs> in cowboy pants. But that let me, that was the moment that I decided if I need to tell somebody else no in order to take care of my child in that moment, I'm going to give myself permission to be a mom. And I felt really good about that. I hated that my son Pete's his cowboy pants to teach me that lesson, but <laughs> he forgave me. <laughs>
2: well it don't it doesn't come easy no. um, there's definitely a, a choice that you have to make in those times but God gives us a grace for that yeah. you know with our kids and stuff you know when we're doing our purpose when we're doing what's what God has called us to do when we're fulfilling our purpose in this earth and he gives us kids as well then we're walking in the purpose of of raising our kids and doing church for us it was it was starting a church and growing a church and and dealing with people and and, you know, a lot of nights that we sat in restaurants and, and coffee shops and stuff, talking to people and helping them get through their stuff. And, um, and the kids were there. They were in the midst of that. But we, God gives, us, God gives us a grace to be able to do that. And so when you're trying to juggle work, church, spouse, kids, God gives you a grace for that if you're doing your purpose. And if you're not doing your purpose, if you're doing something outside of your purpose, then it's going to be a, a struggle to to be able to um, walk with your children through those things. So,
1: I think people thrive when they have a purpose, and kids are no different. And so, that was something that find find something that your child can find intentionality in. So, like. Even if it's just little things, like I would come up with stuff for the kids to do. Um, I need you to help me do this. Can you please, can you please go put one of these on every chair? Or can you please go and make sure that there's toilet tissue in, in the porta potties? Can you do this? or I would find things for them to do? And yes, it took my time to help them to do that. But it gave them a purpose. And then they felt like they were serving God. And it wasn't just mom and dad doing it. We were doing it together. And then they would get rewarded for that. You know what? You were such a good helper to me. Or you really, like if they helped somebody carry something to their car. Or um, helped clean up afterwards. If they helped sweep or they did something like that. Man, you were so good to help do that. Let's go get ice cream. You know, so there was like a. A reward for for serving with me and helping God. So, yeah. I love
0: that. All right. I think this is the last question that came in before. Um, what do you think is the best thing about being married?
1: Keep it clean.
2: Then I'm going to shut up and just pass it on. No, that's good. That's good stuff. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think I think in what we do for for a living, so to speak. You know, when God called us into ministry, He didn't call me into ministry. He called me and her into ministry, and so we get to walk this thing together. You know, doing doing what God has called you to do with your spouse is is the best thing in the world.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to be called to be a pastor to do that.
2: I mean, you nope. don't have to be a pastor.
1: No. <laughs> I think the best part of being married is like you get to have a sleepover with your best friend every night. <laughs> Unless he snores a lot. And then, then that gets... No, I, I think I do. I love getting to serve God together. That was, I mean, when I was single, that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody that was passionate about God, and I love getting to serve God with my spouse, because if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, and I think whatever we do when we're doing it together, we are exponentially more powerful than we were when we were alone, so whether it's, I mean, I really do, I mean, he's my best friend, and so if I'm doing anything, I wouldn't do it with my best friend, and share that experience with him, and so to get to have somebody to share your experience with all the time that's pretty great.
2: And we've been fortunate enough to 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 do this together. There's not been any outside things that we've done um, 20 almost 24 years be 24 years in June and we've spent a lot of time together. <laughs> and and to to still like each other is yeah. pretty good, yeah, I you know. Even like you. <laughs>
1: but we saw people in ministry, not doing things together and still, I mean, you don't have to not be in ministry to not do stuff together, but we saw people just not doing things together and didn't go well. And so we always purpose that whatever we do, we're going to do it together. No. No. So,
0: yeah. Well, maybe we have time for like maybe three questions. If there's three questions, if there's not, we'll like, okay. Yeah. Here.
3: <laughs> um i have a question sort of arose out of a discussion in the prayer team one time and i'm would actually ask for each of the three of you if you could say something about your journey on the revelation of the knowledge of the love of god for other people mm-hmm. because what seems to be imparted at this church is love mm-hmm. and so we talked about that what is bringing people in and i been here for years and watched and learned from the teaching and yet the most powerful thing I've encountered here is this love and this honor that you can do with this whole congregation impart a sense of value to them that confronts everything they're struggling with and part of the reason I'm asking is I'm working with some people now and you know I can imitate this because I've watched it, but I don't know how to find that place of that revelation so profoundly that it's my natural response to humanity
2: well it's we're we're definitely on a journey of love <laughs> um learning more about it every day because You know, the world has this propensity to explain love according to their definition, you know. And it's good, it's it's good, but the God kind of love is different. That agape love, that, that God kind of love that Jesus said that we must, he commanded, he said a new commandment I give to you. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about this is a brand new concept. He was saying this is a renewed concept. This is what Father God meant from the Garden of Eden. And so we're on this continual journey. I can tell you that I haven't loved everybody good over the years. I mean, we're, we're 20, almost 21 years into this church, and um, I haven't always loved people well. But learning that helps teach me to go to the next level with the love that I've been given and, um, you know, uh, Romans 5.5, we've been talking about this on the yeah. on the table talk, uh, if you've been catching that, uh, but Romans 5.5 says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts. He's poured out every, he hasn't just given us what we need, he's given us everything he is in, in the love area for us to be able to do that. So, um, and you don't lose that, you just learn how to begin to use it and apply that to to the area that that you're dealing with mostly that day. Uh, it's a day to day journey. I mean, it's, it's some, some days it's waking up and having to deal with, with her, you know, and, and that sounds bad, but you know, I may not like something that she, you know, may not like the way she the coffee cup she chose for me to put out that day or something. I'm like, Holy crap. Don't you know, I but want Donald duck today. <laughs> I want a Donald duck coffee cup today, but the, uh, the fact of the matter is, it's a continual journey, you know, and it's a continual pushing into to God. I, last night, we talked about the, the line of disgust that you can't minister beyond the line that you find disgusting with people, and it's, it's learning how to say that sin disgusts me, but not the person in the sin. It's the person that we're supposed to love. No matter where they're at, no matter what, how they respond to you, we're supposed to love them with the God kind of love. And it takes the God kind of love. And you're going to be challenged with the God kind of love every day. It's, uh, you know, to, to be challenged to give God's kind of love.
1: I remember the first year that we started the church. We were living in a rented house over in Fort Collins. And I remember sitting in the living room floor. I was pregnant with Rhett and I was worn out. I was tired. I didn't want to have anybody else over to my house, to cry, and to need anything. I was, I was worn out. And I remember sitting in the living room floor and telling God, if this is what you have called me to do, I need you to show me how to do it because I can't, I can't do this. And what he showed me was that I was trying to love people out of my love. And I was trying to serve them and trying to help them and trying to meet their needs out of my resources. And God told me, I need you to just let me love them through you. And I started a journey of learning how to do that and what that meant. But I do remember specifically praying and asking God to give me his eyes that I could see people the way that he sees them and so I don't I don't know a person that I've ever looked at that I don't see God's promise in them that no matter where they've been or what their choices have been that God doesn't have a hope for them and remember a friend asked me one time she was pretty upset with a particular individual and she said she said well do you even have any hope for them because of yada 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 and I told her that I have to have hope for him because if I don't then I need to turn in my resignation that I don't have the right to not have hope for everyone and for this particular person even though he was doing some pretty boneheaded stuff but just asking God to give you eyes to see people the way that he sees them and really looking past what you see and asking him to show you what's in them. When he created them, when he breathed breath into them, before they ever took their breath here, what did God have in mind for them before they ever took their first breath here? That's what I like to think of for people. What do you think? Uh,
0: well, it was what I was thinking goes along a lot with yours. Is like I think it's in a song that says "Break my heart for what breaks your heart, God," and so exactly the same thing. And just I, I thought of this multiple times in the last week, just with my whole situation last week and what I walked through. But I was like, how many people are walking or driving? Probably driving around. That, like, you know, they're, they're mad and they're, they're upset or there's something going on in their life and maybe they cut somebody off accidentally in traffic and they didn't even realize it or they, you know, were short with somebody just because they have a lot on their mind or all of these different things and we view that person as somebody that is just, like, you know, man, they've got a bad attitude, like that person is you know, like an awful person or any of these things. Like, that person is this, and you try to label them as quickly as possible to make yourself feel better or to maybe make yourself look better or something like that. When that person, you know, is walking a really, really hard season in their life or situation or, you know, I just think of, like, certain times where, like, they they just got a diagnosis or something like that. And I just believe, like, if we could all just, like, take a step back and realize, man, there's people in this world that are hurting and they're broken. And I believe that that's how Jesus saw every single person, too, is, I mean, he was spit on. He was tried to thrown off of a cliff. There was all these different things, and but he saw them because he knew what was going on in their lives as well. And we don't always get that that, like, gift of knowing what's going on in someone's life. But if we could just step back and just say, like, gosh, like, I've had some bad days, and I've reacted in really awful ways, and I would hope that somebody could give me grace like that. Yeah. And so that's like one of my biggest deals on that. Um,
2: yeah. When when we realize that we have <clears throat> within ourselves, we ha- we do not have the capacity to love like God does, yeah. but He has given His given us His container that gives us the capacity to love like mm-hmm. he does. So we can't love out of our own um, wants and desires. But if if we understand that he's given us everything, yeah. then we can love out of the desire that he's given us. Does that make sense? Holy
0: Spirit, too, that can yeah. put their hand yeah. over yeah. your mouth. Or... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> happened to me a few times. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah Cody told me. <laughs>
0: I was just gonna say really quick, if you have a note that you wanted you wanted to say it anonymous anonymously. Not, mm-hmm. <laughs> like pass it to Emily and we 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 could get to that. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut anybody mm-hmm. off if you had not I was else just
1: gonna that. say for you to say that though, Elena to yeah. me, like that blows me away. That to me no. I think, wow God, you're really doing something yes. <laughs> so just your question you love really well, blesses well. my heart because you love really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> It's I only. think you probably do better than you think, because mm-hmm. we're our own worst critics always. Yeah. So, well, thank you for <laughs> <laughs> anyone
0: else? All right, time's ticking. <laughs> no. Uh, well, thank you guys. Thank you so You're much welcome. for doing thank this. You. This was fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think we have the answers to a lot, but we're learning uh-huh. with everybody else. Well, most <laughs>
2: things I may not be able to tell you what to do, but I can tell you what not to yeah.
0: do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think uh, humility is a good trait to have, especially loving people and walking yeah. all of that out. For sure. So, um, well, I was gonna ask, would you guys pray over us tonight? I'm and. Off the clock. <laughs> Not
2: yet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we we can pray. You ready? Yeah, I'm All right. ready. All right. Go. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for this time together, Lord. I I just ask that um, you would um, show us, God, open open our eyes to the to the capacity of love that you have given us, because that love will reach into every area. The the questions that were asked. God, your love will reach into that. Your love will resolve and and solve those things, uh, whether they be relational or uh, parenting or jobs or whatever. We just thank you so much that you have given us that capacity, your capacity of love. Father, I, do, I pray over each and every heart that's represented here tonight, each and every family that's represented here tonight, that, Father, that the... The honor the value of life would would begin to increase and multiply um, in, in our in our homes and in our places of, of business and communities. Father, I just thank you so much for each and every heart that uh, is represented. Father, I counted an honor to get to be the only male in this room. I counted an honor to be able to speak into the lives of these ladies. Father, I just see them as as a a pride of lionesses that are that are ready to uh, war for their king, who is Father, Father God. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. Lynette, you're good. All right, she said. She said she's good. So in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: All right. Well, ladies, we'll see you on Sunday, but we'll also be back here next month, too. So I don't know what we're doing yet, but it'll be good. (laughs) I'm like, what What? month is next month? (laughs) Yes, drive safe.